Hey, so glad you decided to sit down and join us today. Welcome back to New Life, Hearing Through the Word. Here, actually, Hearing Through the New Testament. Let me correct myself. Hearing Through the New Testament. This is going to be, uh, let's see here. Let me look at, look at the card. And by the way, if you don't have a card, they're available in the, uh, in the lobby. But then also we've posted the resources online. We posted the resources online for y'all to access. And we are going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4 today. And uh, that is where we're going to be hearing through the word. Um, and if this is your first time listening, just a quick little review. And I know I do it every time, but I just want to make sure that y'all know kind of what's going on. We're using the acronym here um, to understand scripture, to seek and, and, and dig through scripture. So here just stands for highlight. We're going to read through the scripture and highlight what sticks out to us. What jumps off the page? What I talk about today is not necessarily has to be what you learn. Lord may bring some other things to your attention and may lead you down a road to figure some stuff out. Hey, that's okay. Uh, that is um, that's the spirit of the Lord leading you and teaching you um, and and helping you grow in the knowledge of His Word. So that's what the H stands for. E is examine. We want to take and look at the Scripture uh, in context to understand its content. Simple as that. And then we want to take what we understand out of the scripture and apply it to our lives. Um, once again, James tells us that, that, that uh, you know, don't just be listeners of the word, be doers. And that's where the application part comes in with being a doer of the word and actively applying it. And then we're going to respond. We're going to respond to God. That's what the R stands for. And that is in response of, of uh, repentance, but then also prayer, but then also um, chewing on, and I like to use the word marinating, on that passage of Scripture or whatever God has uh, has revealed to us through reading uh, that day. So let's jump in without further ado. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, um, very familiar text. We're going to look at this. It's going to be the temptation of Jesus and then some of uh, Jesus' first parts of his ministry. So Matthew chapter 4, this is where we'll start, reading out of the English Standard Version. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put, your, put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall, or shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels were ministering to him. Verse 12, Jesus beginning his ministry. Now when he heard that John had, had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, and he went uh, and lived in Capernaum by the sea in their territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that it was, it was spoken by the prophet of Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, uh, the way of the uh, by, the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee uh, of the Gentiles, the people were dwelling in the darkness and have seen the light. And for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, 
on them a light has been dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus calling his first disciples, picking up in verse eighteen. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting his net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, uh, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, meaning that their nets, uh, mending their nets, excuse me. And he called them immediately. They left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus ministers to great crowds in verse 23. And he went up through Galilee, all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease, every affliction among the people. And so fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him to the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond and beyond the Jordan. So it's a very short read with verse four or chapter four and just some simple things that that we've gone through. And, and, and I just want to point out some things that were highlighted for me, you know, that stuck out to me. I think um, verse one, when uh, when Jesus was led by the spirit, um, we we a lot of times that we and, and I may be wrong. I, I know personally when I when I think about this, a lot of times. I feel like when we say, oh, we're led by the Spirit, we're, we're going to be led into good things. That's not always the case. The Spirit was leading Jesus into temptation right here. So that, that kind of goes maybe a little contrary to thought of, of popular Christian mentality is that, well, if I'm, if I'm being Spirit-led, I'm going to be led into good things. Well, well, not right here, not when I look at Scripture, um, and I see where Jesus was being led into the wilderness. Now, was it for his good? Absolutely. Because he was fully man and he had to, he was enduring a lot of the same things that we endure as humans. Um, so he was led by the Spirit. And I think it's funny, we go through here and we see, you know, um, look again uh, and we see the temptation go down and you, you see Satan, you see the devil using Scripture. Once again, going back to the old adage out of Genesis of, of did God say this? Did God, you know, and he, and he does that and he quotes Scripture. But notice here, when we look at it, I think what um, jumped off the page at me is, is in verse 4, he quotes scripture out of, out of Deuteronomy 8.3. And then he also quotes out of Psalm, uh, let's see here, Psalm 91, 11 through 12. And he twists scripture. He extracts a different meaning, a, a out of context meaning out of the scripture. Now stop me where you've heard that before. I'm being very careful. I'm not. I'm not calling names, but I think we we have an example here, and we realize that the devil, the enemy, is still at work because of the way people take and extract. I'm using a broad brush here. People, I'm not. I don't want to name names here, but they take and extract scripture and twist it for the meaning. One of one of the things, and I'll, I'll get a little personal here. One of the things that upsets me the most is when someone who does not follow Christ and knows nothing about the Bible, takes a passage of Scripture, twists it, and throws it back in, into a Christian's face, telling them that they know better and how, how they should believe and all this other stuff. I'll digress on that. 
but it's, it comes back to the simple fact of the enemy is crafty. And in order for us, for me, in order for me, I'll make it personal here. I don't want to keep, I don't want to sound too preachy here, but in order for Jimmy to know when he's being lied to, when scripture's being twisted, he's got to know the real thing. A buddy of mine always uses a great illustration when, when learning and studying counterfeit money, one of the things that you have to do is know what the originals look like. If I'm going to be a, 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 um, a museum uh, you know, curator where I, I have to assess paintings and the value and all that, I'm going to know what originals look like and what, what the telltale signs of a painting from which era looks like. Same thing with Scripture. In order to know Scripture, in order to know that someone's being a counterfeit, we have to know the Word of God. I have to know the Word of God. And let me say this, there's a lot of twisting going on. Why? Because it's one of the age-old tricks that it got Adam and Eve, and a lot of times we want to sit and say, oh, Adam and Eve were so stupid, they weren't following. Well, we, we fall for the same trick today that God say. And that's all where it starts. Because the serpent looked at Adam and Eve and said, did God say? And then to this day, you look at some of the main issues that our culture pushes in on, on those who follow Christ and, and shake their fist about. And it's, did God say this? Did God say X, Y, Z? It's been going on for a while. So that really stuck out to me as, as I'm looking at this passage of Scripture. But the next thing that grabbed my attention, verse 17 is uh, it says this from the time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now the thing that caught my attention was the at hand part the kingdom of heaven and i think we can do well, you you can i can dive in a little bit and do some more study of kind of to understand that but i, I think we can all back up and agree and go hey this is the beginning uh, the beginning of Jesus's ministry is also the beginning of the redemption. Well, not the beginning of the redemption uh, part, because that was set in action from Genesis. Once once sin entered, God began to work out his plan to bring about Christ. But it, it just kind of, Christ represents the coming of the kingdom of God. And I know we can, I, I can sit here and, and I know there are, con, you know, debatable thoughts of whether, you know, when does the kingdom of God come? But I think the the big thing is is that Christ is the representation of the beginning of the con- coming of that kingdom, and that's what stuck out on the page to me. So we work on, and uh, of course, in verse twenty and also twenty two, there were some some immediate action things that jumped off the page. You know, when the calling of the first disciples, there was this immediate action, and so that jumped off the page for me there. Um, and then also just kind of uh, looking at uh, the ministry uh, to the great crowds of, of Jesus teaching and preaching. And so that, those are the things that I looked at uh, explanation-wise. And with the, with the teaching and preaching on verse 23, you know, I read some of my footnotes and I have it right here. It says the teaching is basically communicating the nature and purpose of God's kingdom. And then preaching is proclaiming God's kingdom is near and his, pur- his sovereign purpose is it's finally being realized. And so a little bit of, I mean, there's not a lot of a difference between teaching and preaching, but, but there is, it is important to kind of know that there is a difference. And so the big application things that I'm kind of pulling out and taking away from this, just in Matthew chapter four, are, is this, um, 
temptation, when we look at the temptation of Christ, the beginning part of the chapter, temptation always appeals, and and, and I'm, I'll, I'll say that I may or may not be wrong about this. I, I don't know, but but from what I see, a lot of the temptation that we deal with as, as human beings, as I deal with, as we deal with as followers of Christ, a lot of it appeals to the to the physical. And you look at what how Satan tempted the devil tempted Jesus. It was a lot of the physical. And what got me was that that <laughs> he was he was saying, you know, uh, bow down and worship me and I'll give all of this to you. He was basically looking at Jesus and saying, um, I'll give you what's already yours, which kind of got my attention out of that. And also one of the big application parts is that we we have to know scripture. It is important to know scripture. I talked a little bit about that earlier on. Um, and then also, you know, following Christ, going back to the notion of, and I, we've come across it three or four times in these these study times, is that the notion of following Christ is an immediate response. And we see the disciples immediately follow him when Christ calls. And there's an immediate change in their life. And I'll say this. I'll say this, and I'll say this as lovingly as possible. If you have followed, if you have, you have, if there was a point in time where you look back to and you say, hey, that's that's when I follow Jesus. And you look and you see where not a lot in your life has changed. There's not, uh, there's no fruit of repentance, of leading a life that honors the Lord, of wanting a desire to wanting to be with his people uh, congregationally when worship, wanting to be in his word and know and grow and learn more thing, more about the kingdom of God and about Christ. Um, I, I would, I would say it's behavior modification rather than, than just, you know, I, I would, I would petition you brother, sister it, to repent and place your faith in Jesus now. And, and confess your sin to him and, and place your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And big, uh, and finally, one of the big application things, too, that, that kind of grabbed me was that the Spirit can lead us into tough stuff. As followers of Christ, as we are going through our life, um, we don't know the purpose of what the Spirit's leading us through. And so it's not going to always be health, wealth, and prosperity. And I think that's... Um, <laughs> that's a big, big lie that a lot of, uh, larger churches have taught us is that, um, if, if, you know, God, if the spirit's leading me, everything's going to be okay. Well, yes, everything you, you're going to be okay. It's going to work out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, as Romans tells us, but it, it that's not a, that's not a get out of jail free card saying it's not going to be tough. And as followers of Christ, you know, we see the example. If Jesus went through, if the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted and all of these different things, and I know we can sit and have a long, interesting philosophical conversation about that, but the big thing is is that the Spirit can lead us into hard stuff to teach us things, that God can lead us into things in situations that are going to teach us lessons. The important part is to continue to remain faithful, continue to remain disciplined, be in the Word on a daily basis, and those things. So that's kind of what Matthew chapter 4, once again, Matthew chapter 4 um, showed me as I as I hear, as I use the here method, excuse me, as I use the here method to work through um, understanding and knowing the Word of God. 
and maybe it taught you something differently and praise God for that. Um, I'm, I'm here just kind of showing you, letting you peek over my shoulder as we, as I spend time with the Lord. And so that is, that's the purpose of what I'm doing here, just so that you can, um, kind of get an idea of how to use the here method and how to have a daily discipline of spending time with the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us. Of course, this comes to the R part, uh, the response, um, the response, which involves repentance and those things. And I'm just going to pray and uh, wrap us up. And thank you for listening once again. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much just for this time. And God, we thank you that um, you do lead us into hard stuff. And Lord, we ask that as as I ask that as you do lead me in, into harder things, that, that Lord, you give me the strength, you give me the knowledge, you give me the, the reminder of Scripture to handle whatever it is you lead me into and lead me through. Lord, we thank you so much just for the lessons that we've learned in these in these scriptures. And Lord, thank you so much that we have been allowed to be a part of the kingdom and that we, uh, just out of the simple commission of go and tell and go and make disciples, we get to be a part of, of your kingdom. We get to be a part of your kingdom as, as adopted sons and daughters through the blood and sacrifice and death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us realize that. Let us let that set into our realities today. Reality today, not just our realities. And Lord, we thank you so much for the cross and that you 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 took our sin to that cross. Lord, thank you for your word that you've taught us. And Lord, may we, may we be found faithful. And Lord, may we um, chew on this today and use it for your glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>